Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. Coming up on this week's episode, Microsoft endeavor to change how printing is handled on Windows. A recent Windows update is causing Wi-Fi connectivity issues for some users. And Apple have had to pull some products from sale. For this and more, keep listening to this episode of the podcast, which of course, as always, is brought to you by my sponsors. And that includes Control Up. End-to-end digital experience management for the work from anywhere era. Control up. Happy users, happy IT. And also brought to you by Networks Policy Pack, where you use Group Policy, Policy Pack Cloud, or MDM to remove local admin rights, manage and lockdown applications, Java, browsers, and mitigate ransomware, plus more. And of course, also brought to you by Numescent, the inventors of the first and only cloud-native container management platform for Windows desktops. So I'm planning for this episode to be released around Christmas. So if you're listening to this on Christmas or Christmas Eve or St. Stephen's Day or Boxing Day, depending on where in the world you are, then Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. I hope you had a great one. And now for some news. Microsoft announced a new Windows protected print mode. The Windows protected print mode rolls out and gets enabled by default on all Windows systems. Microsoft will shift away from running the built-in print spooler service as system, but instead launching it as a restricted service. They say this will drastically reduce its access to resources and privileges, mitigating the appeal of the spooler process as a potential target for exploitation. BleepyComputer.com reports that Microsoft will remove several attack vectors previously exploited by malicious actors targeting Windows users. Numerous RPC endpoints and various legacy components targeted in the past will also be removed. Additionally, this print mode will also come with binary mitigations to increase exploitation difficulty, including control flow enforcement technology, which is hardware-based mitigation that helps mitigate return-oriented programming-based attacks, child process creations being disabled child process creation will be blocked and this prevents attackers from spawning a new process if they get execution in the spooler there will be a redirection guard that prevents many common path redirection attacks often targeting the print spooler there will be arbitrary code guard which prevents dynamic code generation with the process and they say that once the print mode is enabled Normal spooler operations will go through a new spooler that bundles multiple improvements such as limited secure print configuration, which limits the attacker's opportunity to leverage the spooler to modify files in the system. Module blocking, which is APIs that allow module loading that will be modified to prevent loading new modules. Per user XPS rendering and better transport security. All in all, this sounds like a very positive step Obviously, at the beginning of the year and last year, there were a lot of problems with uh, Windows updates causing issues with printing. And the print spooler has been leveraged by cyber gangs in the past. I see this as a positive step and hopefully the implementation is not too disruptive uh, for users or for vendors making applications on Windows that require printing. Unfortunately, this holiday season, Citrix Bleed is the gift that keeps on giving with Comcast notifying that Xfinity customers' data has been breached using the Citrix Bleed vulnerability. They explained that there was unauthorized access to their systems from October 16th to October 19th of 2023. 
They did note that Citrix notified of the vulnerability on October 10th. And I saw some articles saying that while they notified about it, uh, they were saying that it was not under active exploitation at the time, which yeah, <laughs> that's fair enough. That could just mean you haven't detected anyone trying to exploit it. Doesn't mean that it's necessarily the case. I believe that one was uh, having exploits within like three days. So noticing unauthorized access between the 16th and 19th of October lines up with when the first exploits were being detected. The attack resulted in theft of customer usernames and hashed passwords, and some customers may have had their names, contact information, and the last four digits of their social security numbers, date of birth, and our secret questions and answers exposed. Xfinity has notified federal law enforcement agencies about the incident and says the data analysis is continuing. Xfinity will automatically ask customers to change their passwords the next time they log into their accounts, and it's also encouraging users to turn on two-factor authentication. And if you're wondering how many customers this might affect, it's being reported that this could affect over 35 million customers. So this is pretty significant. And unfortunately, just given the nature of where the Netscaler lies in the network and what its role is, it is a prime target when there's a vulnerability like this. And it's not just Citrix. You can see the same with like F5 products and Microsoft Exchange and uh, other products that live public facing on the internet. Xfinity have notified that they have secured against the vulnerability now. But obviously, as we've seen, not just with them, but with other victims as well, exploits were very quick for this and they probably will be going forward against these types of prime targets. So if you see a Netscaler vulnerability, don't sleep on it, patch as soon as possible. And the same goes for things like your uh, F5 products with your Microsoft Exchange and so forth. Also, I think I've said it on the podcast before, but for your home modems and routers, good idea to take patches as soon as you can with those two. BleepyComputer.com reported that KB503375 cumulative update released during the December 2023 patch Tuesday window causes Wi-Fi connectivity issues on some Windows 11 devices. There have been reports on Reddit, Twitter, and on Microsoft's own forums, plus from several universities issuing advisories recommending students uninstall the KB503375 update. It appears the preview update KB5053-2288 could also cause the problems. The issue impacts enterprise wireless networks with fast transition fast roaming enabled to facilitate seamless device movement between wireless access points. And home users who have installed KB5033-75 or the KB5053-2288 have yet to report experiencing Wi-Fi connectivity problems, which does suggest this is specific to enterprise. And at the moment, the only known fix is to uninstall whichever one of those KBs happens to be installed. And it seems to be confined to Windows 11 and specifically those on version 22H2 or 23H2. MongoDB is warning that its corporate systems were breached and that customer data was exposed in a cyber attack that was detected by the company last week. The company does not believe the hackers accessed any customer data stored in MongoDB Atlas. However, MongoDB says the threat actors had access to its systems for some time before they were discovered. 
LeapingComputer.com reports that as customer data was exposed, MongoDB recommends all customers enable multi-factor authentication on their accounts, rotate passwords, and be vigilant against potential targeted phishing and social engineering attacks. The company says it will continue to post updates about the breach at the MongoDB Alerts webpage, which they use to post updates about outages and other incidents. TechScene.eu reports that Microsoft are replacing the existing Files app in Microsoft Teams where users can store files with the OneDrive for Teams app instead. This will give users a constant app experience within Microsoft 365 where they can store and manage all their files. According to Microsoft, this change should give end users better performance for their file storage and management within Teams and Microsoft 365 based on recent OneDrive and SharePoint library and experience updates. And there's also various AI functionality that will soon be added to the OneDrive app too. So expect those to come uh, to the latest version of Teams. So if you're still on the classic, you can expect these updates and the switch out of the apps for file storage within the new Teams app. The Record Media reports that Central Bank of Lesato is facing outages after a cyber attack. The central bank of the South African country is facing severe outages due to a cyber attack that was discovered last week. The attack rendered the bank unable to process interbank transactions. They issued a statement saying, quote, the bank wishes to assure the public that it has not suffered any financial or other loss. However, the bank has suspended some of its systems to prevent further infiltration from the attackers. Consequently, some payments may be delayed while the bank works on getting the systems back to normalcy. Local news outlets there reported that because the country's currency, the Lati, is pegged to South Africa's Rand currency, there were concerns that the incident might affect the exchange rate. And looking at the currency at the time of scripting this episode of the podcast, it did look like it took an initial hit, but it has bounced back against the Rand at least. In a statement to 9to5Mac.com, Apple announced that it will soon halt sales of its flagship Apple Watch models in the US. The Apple Watch Series 9 and Apple Watch Ultra 2 will reportedly no longer be available to purchase from Apple starting late last week, so just before Christmas, after a company called Massimo accused Apple of 103 instances of patent infringement across five different patents. However, the ITC found that Apple infringed on only two patents, covering five different instances of patent infringements, each related to the Apple Watch's pulse oximeter feature. The International Trade Commission announced its ruling in October, upholding a judge's decision from January, and this sent the case to the U.S. government for a 60-day presidential review period. During this process, President Biden could veto the ruling, although this has not yet occurred. The presidential review period expires on Christmas Day, and Apple is making this announcement today to preemptively take steps to comply with the ITC's decision. Any Apple Watch with a blood oxygen sensor that has already been sold is unaffected by this news. And I have seen some people on social media crying foul and saying that this is patent trolling. Honestly, I don't know enough about the patents that Massimo has filed and what their business is to comment, but that's what some people are claiming. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, but I guess it's contested. The Verge reported that Adobe and Figma announced last Monday 
that both companies are mutually terminating their merger agreement, which would have seen Adobe acquire the Figma product design platform for $20 billion. The move comes after blockers were presented by the UK and EU regulators with concerns that Adobe have built a near monopoly in the design market. Adobe Chair and CEO Shantanu Naran in a statement said, quote, Adobe and Figma strongly disagree with the recent regulatory findings, but we believe it is in our respective best interest to move forward independently. While Adobe and Figma shared a vision to jointly redefine the future of creativity and productivity, we continue to be well positioned to capitalize on our massive market opportunity and mission to change the world through personalized digital experiences. So I agree with the regulators. Uh, Adobe does have a near monopoly in the design market, so any acquisition like this should be scrutinized, in my opinion. Cloudflare published an amazing infographic report showing metrics for internet usage over the last year. Internet usage in general grew by 25% according to the report. Google was still the most visited site with many of the social media platforms like Facebook and TikTok also in the top 10. For generative AI services, OpenAI was top with Character.ai and Quillbot rounding out the top three. Google's Bard service was eighth. There was data on major internet outages through the year, HTTP versus HTTP usage, IP version 4 and IP version 6 data, traffic from Android still appears to be far greater than the iOS, which is pretty interesting. And surprisingly to me at least, desktops were responsible for 58.07% of traffic. I would have thought mobile would be more dominant by now. They have a most attacked industries infographic that you can play and it shows the numbers fluctuating throughout the year. So for example, healthcare was at about 1.4% of attacks in January, but fluctuates wildly between February and March. The data also suggests Log4j was by far the largest culprit for attacks in terms of vulnerabilities. So I teased a few things there and didn't give numbers like the HTTP versus HTTPS and IPv4 versus IPv6. And there's some other metrics I haven't even mentioned. So I'd strongly suggest you go out and find this for yourself because it is very well presented and it is very interesting data. And I'll share a link to that with this episode, which is episode 314. And you'll find that at fivebytespodcast.com. Some quick hit stories to round out the news for this week. NordVPN announced that it has launched a native VPN app for Apple TV on tvOS version 17. And it's already available in the App Store. So it sounds like a good idea for encrypting data. And I wonder if it could be used for streaming services like maybe, you know, BBC iPlayer uh, when you're in the U.S. if you're using a U.K.-based VPN. There was an interesting article on Wired.com discussing Microsoft's digital crime unit and how they take both a technical and legal approach to tackling spammers and cyber criminals. It is an interesting article detailing how cyber gangs have evolved from just a couple of people working in tandem to launch attacks to being a serious criminal organizations with many players. In the article, Richard Bosovic from the DCU states sometimes to help victims, they have to shut down their business, which can be very difficult for a small business and is one of the worst parts of their job. But the article also details some of the success they have had and with so many big name companies announcing attacks this month alone like Toyota, a division of Sony and more, a digital crime unit at Microsoft has likely never been so needed. 
And now this episode, scripts, tricks, and tips. This one maybe could have been news, but I put it under scripts, tricks, and tips. There is now an Incus resource provider for Terraform. So if you work with Incus and you work with Terraform, good news, it's now available. I think it's fitting to have a tip from Guy Leach in the last Scripts, Tricks, and Tips of 2023. He was moaning about the pain that is certificate management, and I believe he had to update a certificate in his lab, and hopefully it's the last time he's going to have to update it and go through this pain again for a few years. But in the course of it, he had some pretty good tips and some PowerShell commands showing certs that have not expired with PowerShell, and it appears like if you use this command, it's very easy to change it uh, to just show expired certificates too uh, so if you're listening to the audio only one you can't obviously see the commandlet and i'm not going to read it out because it's quite long so either go to the youtube edition to see it in a video or alternatively just go to the links for this episode the awesome meryl from microsoft had a really cool nice looking christmasy infographic that's essentially a guide on what you need on each platform to enable sso with microsoft entra nice little christmas splash with that one I saw that Tim Mangan was publishing or sharing his MSAX app attached with TM Edit X blog post and report that goes through some performance analysis of VHD, VHDX, SIM, which is CIM, and AppV in terms of formats and in terms of deployment performance. I think anyone who's tried all of those already knows which one comes out on top, but Tim also has tooling that can help you on your journey to MSIX and MSIX App Attach. So if you do choose one of those formats, definitely check out Tim's tooling because it will increase your success rate. And, you know, I'm saying that he's got this performance analysis. I don't want to give away the results and the numbers. You might see some of it if you're watching the YouTube edition, but I encourage you to go out and Grab it from Tim's website and give him the click. And the final script trick and tip for 2023 is from Rue Campbell, who shared five common mistakes, overlooked gaps, and thoughts on minimizing exclusion surface in Microsoft 365 email security. So I talked a little bit during the Citrix or Xfinity story about the certain products like Citrix products, F5 products, Exchange and so forth being those kind of prime targets for attack. Well, Microsoft 365 email security is very important to consider. So this is a great blog post for those with a security conscience or security role. But that's it for the last episode of 2023. Thank you all so much for listening and supporting the podcast over the year. Uh, next week's podcast should be like an annual look back type of episode. Uh, I actually do have some new content because I updated some of the resources or uh, references for some of the stories I've reported on the last year. So it is actually somewhat new content, but it's mostly a look back at what the big stories were and uh, some of the highlights of scripts, tricks and tips. So I hope you're looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, should be back to the normal release cadence the second week of January, and I might start to make some changes to the format. I tend to do that when it's the new year. Uh, I might try a few things out. That's it for this episode. I'll catch you next time.